You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also want to mention if you want to text the show, you can text us at 865-658-5824. Again, that number is 865-658-5824. Now, when you text, just make sure you say your name, um, maybe where you're from. We, we always like, you know, enjoy that information there. We've got people from all over the world listening to the show and um, very, very blessed that that's the case. But just kind of give us name, where you're from, and maybe a question or a comment about something that's going on currently. It's okay to chat too. That's cool. But just understand we're not going to read conversations on the podcast. We don't want to waste too much time. And we don't have much time to waste today at all. And I'll, I'll tell you why. The text line's been blowing up, which is phenomenal. Email's still coming in too, but it's so cool that you guys are utilizing the text. And we really, really appreciate it. I do want to say this. I can't say this enough. <clears throat> Make sure, guys and gals, that this doesn't take away from you calling in to Packernet After Dark. Packernet After Dark, for selfish reasons, okay? This is my favorite podcast, Packernet After Dark. So do not stop calling. I know we've had a, a couple people, uh, you know, text me, and I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, I'll just text Clayton, Clayton rather than calling in to Packernet After Dark. That is a way better format, and we want to hear your wonderful voices and the voice inflection and the passion behind the topic that you're asking about. And we darn sure want to hear your humor because you guys are hilarious at times on there. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, let's get into the show. We had news break after we recorded yesterday, which it's it's why I really enjoy doing a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday episode. Because when this happens, I immediately thought, crap, should I go back and edit the podcast we just dropped and delete it altogether? And then it's like, no, we'll just do it tomorrow. So that's what we're going to do. So we've got, you know, breaking news yesterday that – 
um, we had the contracts of Preston Smith and Jair Alexander were uh, restructured, right? And we're going to kind of dive into the details. I'm going to kind of give you guys my take on it. Um, this is not surprising at all. If you listen to this podcast, you know we predicted this. I say we, not me. We, we've all had these conversations. We've all chatted about it since last offseason. We knew what was going to happen with the Aaron Rodgers contract. Um, it's going to come to a point where a decision is going to be made. Either he's going to return or he's not. Uh, regardless of that, I felt like these contracts were going to get touched. We felt like these contracts were going to get touched. We've all talked about it over and over and over. So um, let's let's kind of dive into the details, okay? First of all, Preston Smith, um, his cap hit now has been adjusted in 2023 to $6.3 million in cap hit, okay? Um, so that essentially saved $6.6 million against the cap in 2023. I'm not going to go into all the details of how they did that, about voidable years. Um, I believe, like, for example, just really quick, I believe they added one voided year onto Preston Smith's uh, current contract. Um, and I think that final year is like $1.7 million against the cap. His salary cap bumps, hit, cap hit bumps up each year moving forward. After actually next year, we could cut him loose and save, I think, three or four million. I won't go into all the details there. That's not what this is about. We just want to give you the updated cap numbers. You guys know I try to focus on the current year because that's what's most important to me. The cap's always going to get figured out, right? It's all There's always going to be loopholes. There's always going to be ways to have it adjusted. And to spend all of our energy sitting here going, well, how's this affect 2024? How's this affect 2025? I don't care about that right now. What I care about is 2023, right? And it's all going to get worked out. None of this is extreme as some people would make you think it was right we've showed over and over and over this is nothing like the saints organization and what they're doing although what they're doing is completely uh you know uh within the rules of the nfl the salary cap rules and they're going to be fine as well the problem they have in new orleans is they're overpaying for a lot of players that in my opinion are overrated but that's a story for another day and i don't want to continue to talk about the saints it's just it gets brought up every single day on twitter oh see we're doing what the saints are doing and that's not the case so um, again, Preston Smith, we uh, it's now a $6.3 million cap hit. We saved $6.6 million. Jair Alexander restructured his contract. Um, his cap hit is now $10.7 million. If you guys remember, I believe it was up over 20 at, at one point, around 21. So we saved $9.45 million against the cap in 2023. So let's kind of give you guys a cap update, all right? The Packers salary cap as it sits right now, according to Spotrack. And it's funny, I had somebody come at me on Twitter. Of course, they didn't have very many followers at all. Might be a burner account. That's typically the ones that it, it's funny because you know these are people that are following you that you interact with on a, on a somewhat regular basis, and they have a, an extra account that they want to troll you with, right? And what they don't know is I don't even want to say I shouldn't say this. I'm not gonna say it. I the only thing I'll say is I know who those people are. And uh I have someone working with me behind the scenes uh, doing social media, so it's uh, it's pretty comical to be. I'm trying not to smile right now. You can probably hear it in my voice, but um, it's comical to see who the clowns are out there with the extra burner accounts. But we'll just leave it at that. So anyway, he came at me and was like, "Yo, you're not going to be able to sign. That doesn't include the rookies. You're not going to be able to sign the rookies and this and that." And I mentioned top 51, and he said, "You idiot! There's only 32 teams in the league." And I'm like, "Oh God." Why am I even having a conversation with this person that he's going to call me an idiot when he's confused thinking when I say top 51, I mean, there's 51 teams in the NFL. I was just like, what are you smoking? But put, put the crack pop down, put the pop down. Okay. <laughs> but 
again, you, I shouldn't even mention it on the pod. I shouldn't even interact, but it becomes comical to me. So anyway, Packers cap 5.8 million under the cap right now. The Packers are, and that's their top 51. What top 51 means is <clears throat> the top 51 salary cap hits on the current roster is all that counts towards that cap number that you have to get under. Okay. So the final two on the 53 man roster that are the cheapest in most cases, it's minimum contract. So it's the same as the, uh, as you know, roster spot 50 and roster spot 51 in this case with the Packers at 750 K against the cap. Right. So that's kind of how that falls into place. All right. So we have our roster is complete as it sits right now. We could fill the football team today. We might be very light at the safety position. We might be very light at the middle linebacker position, you know, only carrying three. But the Packers could go out and play a football game right now with the roster they have, right? We know that that's not the final product. It's nowhere near it. But top 51, the Packers cap is $5.8 million. All right, so this does not include rookies. And this is what I was trying to explain to the knucklehead on Twitter, and he didn't want to listen. He was, you know, like everyone else, regurgitating, not everyone else, some of, some of the other people that just regurgitate what the negative Nancy's talk about, what the doom and gloomers talk about. And then when you start to point out facts, all they do is talk in circles. But, oh, yeah, well, that's going to catch us next year. Well, no, actually, it's not. If you look at the cap next year, oh, well, that has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers' current contract because that's that's old guaranteed money that they push forward now. And I'm like, why, why are you even mentioning that? That has nothing to do with the conversation we're having. They like to talk in circles when you start to prove them wrong. So it's best just to mute them and move on. So – like I was telling him, it does not include the rookies, okay? So what I thought I would do here real quick is just kind of give you an idea, okay? And this I use Spotrack, okay? If you like over the cap, that's totally cool. Uh, the numbers are a little bit different, a little bit uh, varied there. I haven't dug too much into over the cap to see if they're including rookies or not, nor do I really care. I'm just going to be honest with you. When it comes to the salary cap in the NFL, when once you get within $5 million of being over or under, $5 million is nothing on the cap to be honest with you. That money can be made up so quick, it's not even funny. It could also be spent so quick, it's not even funny. So once we get within $5 million, what I mean by that, if over the cap is saying that they have $7 million in cap and and Spotrack is saying $5 million, I don't care. If Spotrack is saying you know, uh, $5 million and they've actually only got $2 million, I don't care. When you're within $5 million of each other, you're just trying to split hairs and, and you know play favorites to, to different websites. It's just a waste of time. So what I thought I would do is look at the rookies from last year, okay, the way the rookie scale is slotted. I believe there's a little bit of variance by position. There's no reason in splitting those hairs either. But to kind of come up with what would our rookies cost this year, what I did was I looked at the 2022 number 15 pick. It was Kenyon Green, Kenyon Green, however you say his name, and it was $2.9 million. Obviously, with inflation, it's funny to say that, right? <laughs> but every year that salary is going to go up a little bit in conjunction with the percentage of the salary cap, the revenue brought in. There's a lot of things in the CBA and the fine print that determines those things. So we're just going to round it up to $3 million, right? And it'll probably be a little more than that, but for easy math, we're going to kind of get it in the ballpark. Okay, so this guy's saying, this knucklehead's saying, well, you're not including your rookies. Okay, well, let's say the number 15 pick is $3 million against the cap, right? which Kenyon Green was 2.9 last year, okay? Even though we're, we're just anticipating it being $3 million or we're pretending it's going to be $3 million this year and go up slightly, um, you still got to take off seven hundred fifty k. Why? Because number 51 on that roster is technically who you're going to replace, right? So you scratch off that guy there because he's no longer in the top 51. 
So you remove 750K so that balances out to 2.25 million for the cost of your first round rookie, right? Let's go to round two. The number 45 pick last year was David Ajabo. It was 1.4 million. Let's round that up to 1.75 million. Now you're replacing number 50 on the roster, which is 750K. So wipe off the 750K. It's a flat million increase, right? So you've got 2.25 million uh, increase or uh, um, reduction of the cap, I should say, against the cap for your first round pick, 1 million flat balanced out for your second round pick. So obviously you've got 5.8 million in cap. You take off 3.25. You're left with roughly 2.5 million dollars in cap space right now after your rookies are signed. Now, why didn't I mention the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounder? Because the salary cap hit gets so low that it's going to be kind of a push for those bottom guys. So essentially, if all seven rounds, however many you know rookie draft picks you've got, if they're set to make, if those other five, let's say you've got seven picks, they may have more. I'm sure they do with compensatory picks. But if you take those bottom five and you put them on the roster, then they replace the bottom five on the top 51 counting against the cap. So it's kind of a push. It'll probably be a little more expensive, but not much. So we're essentially the Packers are sitting at about $2.5 million in cap space right now. Okay. Now, why do I mention that? I mention that because to me, if if they were finished right now, right? If the Packers, okay, we're done with everything. We're where we want to be. We're not going to do anything in free agency like a lot of people are suggesting, right? And that could be the case. I'm not saying it's guaranteed that they're going to spend money. But if there were no other rumblings about any other contract restructures, I would say, all right, guys, hold on. Um, it looks like they're not going to go out and spend we're going to draft rookies. We're going to try to bolster the roster with cheap free agents. There'll probably be a couple of little restructures here or there just to make sure that we've got that that little uh, nice little nest egg that every team likes to go into the season with, anywhere from 5 to $12 million. So you've got money to play with with undrafted free agency, uh, things of that nature, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, if that was the case, and I would say, all right, they're, they're pretty much done, and we're going to fill this roster, right, um, with just – bottom end talent, try to get cheap guys. And, and they've done pretty well here lately. You know, people like Devondre Campbell in the past, Russell Douglas, um, Keyshawn Nixon, players like that. But there's also information coming out now about Kenny Clark. So I'm going to jump to a tweet and I want to make sure I give this uh, person credit. Uh, his name is Wendell uh, Ferreira, I think is how you say his name. It's F-E-R-R-E-I-R-A. You can find him on Twitter at W-E-N-D-E-L-L-F-P, okay? And he said he retweeted Ian Rappaport's tweet, which basically said expected moves from the Packers opening up $16 million in cap space. And Ian Rappaport's tweet said the Packers restructured the contracts of stars Jair Alexander and Preston Smith. Sources say creating $9.45 million and $6.66 million in cap space, okay? Now, he also climbed down that thread, and Wendell said um, – it's either Wendell or Wendell. I'm just going to say Wendell. That's how we said it back home. Knew a few people named that. So hopefully that's correct. I apologize if it isn't. Uh, the Packers haven't touched Bakhtiari's contract yet. Let's see if they do that, do it, or prefer to keep flexibility to move on from him now. And he put in parentheses, unlikely or next year. I personally believe that um, Bakhtiari's contract, there's a good chance it gets touched. If it doesn't get touched, it tells me they may move on from him next year because you can cut him loose next year and free up a ton of money, right? You still got dead cap attached, but the amount of money that you would save would really put the Packers, you know, kind of in the direction of uh, being in a better financial state. Now, with that being said, if David Bakhtiari is still playing the way he finished the season last year, I want him on the roster till the day he wants to retire. As long as he's playing at that level, Come on back, big fella, because there was 
I mean, I think he he allowed the second least amount of sacks um, last year in the entire NFL, which is really, really impressive considering he was still coming off those three surgeries and all of that. So the other thing that he attached to this tweet, he being Wendell, he said, the Packers were working on reducing nose tackle Kenny Clark's cap number of $23.9 million with either a restructure or extension and left tackle David Bakhtiari's $28.7 million cap number under or number with a restructure, a source said. So three key words I want you to key in on here. When talking about Kenny Clark, restructure or extension. David Bakhtiari, it simply said restructure. It didn't say anything about an extension. OK, that's really, really important. You guys know when you restructure a contract nine times out of 10, the goal is to take roster bonus and base salary, convert it to signing bonus. So you can spread that out over the lifetime of the contract and or tack on avoidable year to absorb that hit um, even less uh, in the current day of a salary cap. Right. So when you renegotiate, when you uh, extend now you're getting into the waters of kind of like what they did with Aaron Jones. I know they didn't, quote-unquote, extend Aaron Jones's contract, but when you're talking extension, that's where the same thing comes into play that they did with Aaron Jones, where with Aaron Jones, yes, he technically took a pay cut on the overall contract, but they also threw in some more guaranteed money for him. So, you know, if, it's, if you've got $10 million in total contract, and only five million guaranteed. A lot of players would say, "Hey, look, yeah, I'll play for seven and a half million if you guarantee two and a half more, right? Because it's better than being cut loose and losing out on the rest of that uh, money that is not guaranteed." So you've got to take that into consideration. So when we talk about Kenny Clark extension or restructure, an extension may equal less cap hit for more guaranteed money. Okay, so it's important to take that into consideration. A restructure would simply be converting the salary and the roster bonus to signing bonus and then tacking on voidable years. Okay, so that's that's what's kind of on the table for Kenny Clark. So, so far with that said, right, what we have said potentially in the past, okay, we're going to back up. You guys know when we started this offseason, I started laying out episode after episode, evaluating uh, the roster positionally, and then talking about out of this whole position, what player do I feel like is most likely to get a roster restructure? And by the time it was all over, we came away with five or six players that we said, these are the players that I have identified as players that could potentially have a contract restructure. Okay, so let's recap now. Aaron Jones was one of those players. His fell, That domino fell first. I predicted that, hey, look, a very conservative number would be to free up $8 million in 2023 cap through Aaron Jones. A lot of people, not a lot. Some people were saying trade him. Some people were saying cut him, right? You guys know I was pounding the table going, this guy is the freaking best player on our roster. Why in the H-E double hockey sticks will we get rid of him? Why do you just throw him out the pasture, right? Like it, that makes no sense to me. So, so you're okay with your football team getting worse, although it makes more financial sense to try to restructure his contract, keep your best player on the roster and moving forward, and you're better off financially. Right. And they everybody held him up as this big hero taking a roster, taking a, a pay cut. And rightfully so. Aaron Jones is as good a person as you're going to find in the National Football League. But you've also got to take into consideration it meant more guaranteed money for. Him, right. So that's how that kind of played out. Aaron Jones, we said eight million. They actually freed up eleven million dollars. You guys heard me say it. Under promise, over deliver. 
These numbers I was throwing out, I know this is not a popular way to look at the NFL, but this is cash over cap. This is the current NFL. You're either going to play this game to compete or you're just not going to compete. That's the way it is. And if you say, oh, no, you can compete without it, okay. Everybody likes flashing at Chicago Bears 80 to 90 million they have in cap space, right? Did you see that hot garbage they put on the field? I mean, that wagon was on fire all year long, right? That's what's hap- That's what happens when you don't compete and you don't get creative. You're not even willing to spend the money that you have. Now, some would say they're stockpiling, cap rolling over. They want to make a big splash, a big bang, boom, right? But the problem with that is you've got to establish culture over an extended period of time. You've got to build the roster around the people that are currently on it and show these are our key guys. These are our captains. This is the nucleus of our team. Let's add pieces in gradually, build up a culture as we get better at playing football. That's why you guys remember way back in the day when they had the super team in Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia had a great year this year. Obviously, they won a Super Bowl here recently. But that year, they added in Vince Young and all these different players. And they're like, oh, this is the super team. This is like what the NBA does. Fell flat on their face because they tried to add everything all at once. And the culture wasn't there. You had a ton of personalities, a ton of egos with very talented football players that had never played together. They never knew how to benefit each other from a sense of making each other better on the football field. And you throw in the ego factor, you're probably going to slide a little bit backwards rather than going forward, at least on paper, and what you would expect if you were playing Madden football, right? That's why I love Pat McAfee and the way they approach covering the game because they're like, look, this isn't, these aren't like little digital characters. These are human, human beings, and the locker room is a real thing, right? Those things matter. So again, Aaron Jones, we said eight million ended up being eleven million. Jair Alexander was another one we predicted. We said six million ended up being nine point four million. You see seeing the common thread here, you're seeing how it's falling into place under promise over deliver. So we ended up with three million more than what we predicted with Aaron Jones. We ended up with three point four million more than what we predicted with Jair Alexander. And we also have Preston Smith. Preston Smith, I said five million. They did six point six million. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool, guys. And again, it's not me trying to run a victory lap or or pretend like I know more than anyone else. We all learn this together as we've studied this stuff. Right. And and we're getting a better grab on it. So you don't have to depend on the doom and gloomers to give you the cap information. When you understand it yourself, you realize, wow, these people really have an agenda, don't they? <laughs> and, it, and it sticks out. It slaps you across the face. And it, it, it always leaves me questioning why are, they're not real. Are they even Packer fans? They look miserable. Why are they doing this? It, like once you understand how the cap works, you realize they're making this out to be a lot worse than it actually is. And that's what I loved about Ryan's pod. Ryan is very um, uh, fiscally uh, conservative, I guess you could say, from a sense of like dollars and cents. He wants the cap to balance out. And that's how I was for a very long time. I wanted it to be squeaky clean, just like a budget at home. Now, I have since leaned into the more aggressive side because I, I understand the cap a little bit more now. And I'm going, OK, look, I, there's actually a lot more money to play with here. But what I loved about what Ryan has said all along is I don't buy into the whole doomsday scenario is the word he used, that what they're doing with the cap is going to ruin this franchise. I don't. But I think they can make better financial decisions here and there and cut this loose and maybe get a better player in here at this spot, and I completely respect that. So it's, it's, it's really cool to get both perspectives for sure. So of those three players – 8 million, 6 million, 5 million, we predicted and ended up being 11, 9.4, and 6.6. So we predicted 19 million out of those three players. It actually ended up being 27 million. Guys, you should be freaking stoked right now. Like, that is so exciting. 
they're better off than I thought they were going to be. And I was the guy going, everybody walk off the, like, get away from the ledge. It's okay. Like everything's going to be fine. This is, it's not as bad as you think. Right. So who are the two remaining? Kenny Clark. I predicted 7 million. I didn't predict. I said I would do 7 million, but I am very, very on the safe side, nowhere near the max restructure uh, or the com complex restructure or more toward the simple restructure uh, approach. And then Preston, or I'm sorry, uh, David Bakhtiari, I said 10 million would be a very, very conservative number. Those two have yet to be adjusted, but like Wendell said on Twitter, there's rumors now circulating that Kenny Clark's cap number is about to be adjusted. So what does all that mean? If they move forward, and they restructure Kenny Clark and or, re or uh, extend Kenny Clark, give him a little bit more guaranteed money re and reduce the cap hit now. Um, if they do that, then I think they're they're looking to be aggressive in free agency. And when I say aggressive, I don't mean going after the top free agents. I mean they're gonna they're gonna go out and try to sign, uh, you know, anywhere from <clears throat> three to five players that are good bargains on the market. Not low-end talent, not bottom roster guys. These are guys that will compete for a starting position, but they probably won't be the most expensive. Now, they may surprise me, free up the $20 million that I predicted they would have going in the free agency and go after one big fat cat like a Jesse Bates or whoever, right, if Jesse Bates doesn't get franchise tagged. That's the thing. I have other people asking me about free agents. Who's your top free agent and what do you think? I try not to dig too much in the free agents because we still don't know who's going to be tagged or not. And you spend all this time looking at this player going, Man, I'd really like the Packers to sign him. Man, I really think he'd be a good fit. Well, I thought he was a free agent. How did he end up on the team? They just franchise tagged him. They transition tagged him. They they tagged him with something. There's there's more tags right now than than I've got. You know, uh, hunting rifles. I'm just telling you right now. There there <laughs> there are so many different tags out there. It's so hard to keep up with um, when they can be applied, uh, how they affect the roster. Is there compensation attached in return? It's just, and, and it's best for me just to kind of let things unfold and then talk about what it means rather than trying to make a prediction of, I think this player will hit the market and we can sign them as a free agent. So hopefully that makes sense. So again, we've got another potential 17 million. So why do I mention that? Well, we just did balancing the cap. 2.5 million is where we're sitting right now. Another 17 million that puts us at 19 and a half million. You guys remember when we started this whole process, I said, I personally think a conservative approach to this offseason to be able to make the team better would be to have about 20 million in cap space. Now, they may not do that with those other two guys. They may not get close enough in the restructuring and all that. Now, the fact that they mentioned with Kenny and David Bakhtiari, the number of uh, the, the word restructure tells me like that makes sense for both parties. First of all, with the current state of the cap, a player is not going to turn down a restructure because it's putting guaranteed money in their pocket right now, as opposed to a total amount on a contract that they could be cut later and lose out on uh, tremendously. Right. So I think if these if this is a legit report that Wendell talked about, of these restructures. And, and I think it is personally, I'd have to lean toward it being because we've seen this coming down the pike. We predicted this. I'm not a smart guy. I'm a dumb redneck. And if I can see that coming on the horizon, then it's probably a real thing, right? <laughs> because it, it, it didn't catch me off guard at all, but it's still exciting when it falls into place because you spend all this time as fans, all of us communicating back and forth through the text thread we created, through Twitter, through email. And when you start to understand it together, it's just it gets real fun. It, it, it's, it's exciting. It really is. So I just want to lay that out to give you guys an idea of where we're looking right now. Now, somebody did ask me about free agents. I didn't give any individual free agents, but what I did mention is the way the market looks, the one position I would like to see them be aggressive with would be safety. 
We've only got one safety on the roster in Darnell Savage. Now, if they can get Rudy Ford for a discounted price, you know, you guys know I'm all about that. I'm a big Rudy Ford fan. I think he'll continue to grow on this defense and get better as time goes on. But if you've got a chance to make a run at one of these top safeties in free agents, free agency, and and they've got a few more years in the tank, kind of like when we signed Adrian Amos. And, and Adrian Amos isn't off the table yet either, guys. Like there's a chance that he could test the market and come back to Green Bay, right? I'm hoping we upgrade at whatever we do. That's my goal. Okay, that's what I want to see accomplished in Green Bay this year. I want to make sure that that's uh, the way it's handled. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand more than other people. Okay, so let's do this. Let's move on to now that we got the contract stuff out of the the way. Let's move on to a couple of text messages we got from listeners. Okay, and first, actually, let me do this. I'm going to try to be more organized on this episode. Um, Since we're at this point, let's go ahead and take us a quick break pay a few bills. And when we get back on the other side, what we're going to do is uh, is answer a couple of questions through text message from the listeners. But we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's do this. Let's go to, first of all, the text message from Mr. Roland, okay? Roland sent me a message um, on our text thread here. Again, if you guys want to uh, hit us up, it's 865-658-5824. Here's what Roland said, okay? Um, I'm going to try to uh, get to it quick. He sent one on the other side, so I want to make sure I read the right one. Okay, so he says, uh, Clayton slash Ryan. This is Roland from Long Island here. Uh, I think most fans are looking at the Rodgers situation all wrong and are way too spoiled. Getting any type of top pick for him at this stage in his career would be fine. What did the Cowboys get for Aikman or the Niners for Young or the Giants slash Coats for the Mannings or the Steelers for Big Big Ben, the Chargers for uh, Phillip Rivers? You might say look at Seattle and Russ, but he is much younger. Any type of haul would be great management, and if he plays out until retiring, he's earned it. Also, while I love Thompson and what he did for the team, I am a little tired of Andrew Brandt and others saying how bold they were with the Favre decision. There was no Favre decision. He retired, then he checked with them again, and he doubled down on it. Um, At that point, they switched gears, and when Brett swooped in at the 11th hour, it was too late. If in the presser after the 2007 NFC Championship game, Favre said he was coming back, he would have been the starter in 08. 
Aaron said himself that he learned he was going to be the starter when Favre retired, not because Thompson or McCarthy called him and said, hey, uh, you're starting next year no matter what. Hope, Hope Packer fans can realize Brett and Aaron are not pushed out. We're not pushed out. They both were given the option to start for Green Bay until they wanted to hang it up or leave. And he put in parentheses, which is what every big winning organization does with its longtime iconic all-time great players, Kobe, Jordan, Jeter, etc. Great comparisons there. Rolling, by the way, man, that's good stuff. Uh, Brett slash Aaron probably feel that way because their replacement was in the building. But that's just smart roster building and planning for their retirement, much more than it is trying to replace them. All words by the team with Rodgers has confirmed this uh, from 2019 draft night to the present. Uh, no reason to blame love, blame uh, father time. Lastly, really excited to see what love can do. Brett was awesome. Aaron was awesome. And hopefully Jordan is too. Sorry for the lengthy message. Go back, go. So, Roland, great message. I'm going to hit on a couple things here, man, because it really, this this sparked up a lot of stuff, and I feel like it's a good time to talk about. There's not a whole lot to talk about right now. And you guys know I have uh, quoted and referenced the documentary Last Day at Lambeau, so we're going to play a little in a second, but I just want to talk about this. When people compare, it's funny, I, I've joked about this all year long. The people that don't like Rodgers, all season long, they made it out as if he was quarterback, right? When, it, in fact, his completion percentage was two points higher than his career average before he broke his thumb. When he broke his thumb through that span, it dipped down to 61% from 67%, which was 4% lower than his career average. The bye week, the cast comes off. The, the thumb is as healthy as it's been all year, still not completely healthy. His completion percentage goes back up to 65%. They, they go on a run. I'm not saying Aaron didn't make mistakes during that quote-unquote healthy period before and after the injury. I, I would only say before the injury was he healthy. After, I don't think he was completely healthy, but it did get better because he didn't have the tape, the cast, whatever you want to call, on that uh, on that thumb anymore, right? So um, when we look at it from that perspective, they it, it amazes me that people during the season where he's washed up, he's horrible, I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. This is just – this is terrible. There ain't no way – um, that he's, uh, you know, he should be the quarterback. We need to move on to love right now, this and that. And then all of a sudden, as soon as the season's over, we've got people talking like they're going to get three first-round picks and a franchise player for Aaron Rodgers at 39 years old. And I'm going, hold up a second. You said all season long he was overrated, washed up, and absolutely horrible, right? That's what you said all year long. Now that the season's over, now all of a sudden he's a superstar again, and you're going to get a large haul for him. You can't have it both ways. Do I think Aaron Rodgers could get a long haul or a large haul? I actually do. So I kind of disagree with Roland if I'm understanding his sentiment completely. But you can't have it both ways, and Roland's definitely not doing that. If if you're one of those people that said he's washed up and he sucks and he, he doesn't even deserve to start over Jordan Love, then how in the world are you expecting all these draft picks? The number one thing they go to is Russell Wilson. But Russell, they got that for Russell Wilson. Roland pointed it out. Russell Wilson was quite a bit younger, right? But also, Russell Wilson was the exception, not the rule. What do I mean by exception? Really replace the word exception with mistake. Do you think Denver regrets that? Because I kind of feel like they do. Now they're in. They'll never say it, but now they, they're in. I heard Michael Lombardi all year last year going into through the offseason last year talk about 
that was a stupid move for Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson no longer moves around the pocket. Russell Wilson is no longer a scrambling threat. That was the thing that made Russell Wilson so good. He wasn't a great pocket passer. He was a good pocket passer, but he was a great scrambler. Once the scrambling ability goes, now he's just a good pocket passer. Now you're going to overpay not just for salary cap hit for a quote-unquote good pocket passer, but you're also going to give up a ton of compensation and set your franchise back. Now, if anybody can get it out of him, I think it is Sean Payton. Sean Payton did a phenomenal job with the New Orleans Saints, and uh, you know him taking over in Denver, I think that's going to be something to really, really keep our eye on for sure. But what it comes down to, Roland, is it's extreme comparisons, and I agree with you. And what I mean by extreme comparisons – Russell Wilson was the exception slash bad move, period. Right. And what you said about what you said about Andrew Brandt and Ted Thompson, that they were not bold. Okay. I want to say this. I 110% agree with you. Now, the thing about Ted Thompson that goes really unmentioned, and it bothers me, is Ted Thompson was an extremely, extremely humble person. Ted Thompson was a guy who didn't want credit for anything. Ted Thompson got ridiculed because he was kind of backwards. He was kind of awkward. He was, you could tell he was uncomfortable in front of the camera. He was uncomfortable um, in those public settings when he had to do a press conference. And I relate to Ted Thompson in that regard. So I don't think Ted Thompson was running around screaming his bow. Let's get back to Andrew Brandt. I completely agree with you, Roland. When he talks about, and it, it bothers me, because I like Andrew Brandt and I like his podcast and I think he's very insightful and he knows way more about football and definitely the business of football than I do, right, than I'll ever know. <clears throat> but the thing that bothers me about Andrew Brandt, when they talk about it, we've been here before, that soft voice. We've been here before. I mean, we had to be bold in Green Bay and trade Brett Favre away when it didn't make sense. He makes it sound as if it was like, huh, yeah, we got out ahead of the curve and we knew what we were doing. Uh, we we traded Favre because we knew Aaron was a better quarterback and we knew Aaron was going to be what he was. BS, it's BS. If it wasn't BS, you wouldn't have drafted Brian Brom in the second round. I was a Packer fan. I remember the hesitation. I remember everything about all of that unfolding and nobody knew how good Aaron Rodgers was going to be. The only per person that I felt like had an – inkling of how good Aaron Rodgers was was Mike McCarthy because he would talk about the ball handling skill uh, drills that they would do. I remember once one time they're doing a ball handling drill where they take the ball in a figure eight between their legs, almost like a basketball, right? And they're just switching hands, switching hands. He said he had been timing that all the way back past Montana and Young in San Francisco when he was an assistant out there way back in the day, right? And he said nobody had ever gotten that close to Aaron Rodgers' record. He And he, he said, quote, this is – Mike McCarthy's quote, he said, Aaron doesn't even know how good that is. It's almost like he didn't want to tell him, right? So he knew how good Aaron Rodgers was, or at least he believed in him, and that's the person that was bold. It really was. It wasn't Andrew Brandt. It wasn't Ted Thompson. They catered to Favre, and they broke three different times. And by they, I do mean the Packers organization as a whole. I think it was Mark Murphy being brand new. And I think Ted Thompson didn't want to trade away Brett Favre. He said it in his own words. He didn't want to sign the trade papers, right? That came from Ted Thompson's mouth, not mine. So for Andrew Brandt to run victory laps and pretend like they were being bold when they traded Brett Favre is just dishonest at best. I mean, it really is. It really is. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play you guys a clip from last day at Lambeau. We're going to relive this for a second, okay? And I think it's cool to go back in time and, and kind of revisit this. I know it was ugly at the time, but um, it's funny this – the whole, the whole thing about this, this documentary, and it really has nothing to do with what we're about to key in on, but what I loved about it was at the time they, they actually said in the documentary, 
right now, no one really knows what went wrong, but maybe someday we will. Right. And I think to a cent to to a certain extent, we still don't know exactly what went wrong. But I think the answer has been out right there on the surface the entire time. I was as big a Brett Favre football fan, and I'm very, very I want to be very specific when I say this. I've never met, met Brett Favre as a human being. I don't know what his personal life is technically like. I've always heard rumors that it's not good. I'm not a person to dabble into rumors. I'm not out here to you know, execute people for the way they live their life. I'm a football fan. I try to focus on that, right, and let the justice system uh, do what it's got to do for anything off of the football field, okay? So I can't – I'm simply talking about the player Brett Favre. He was one of my favorite players of all time. But when this took place, I was 100% on board with Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy especially that, look, it's time for him to go because he has abused this. He's taken advantage of him. He changed his mind three times in the course of a 30, 30 to 45-day span. You could tell he wanted out. And all behind the scenes, what I was hearing, and I'm sure every other fan was, there was rumors that he was talking to Brad Bevel, right? And uh, um, God, I can't remember his name, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings at the time, that you know Bevel used to be, I believe it was Brad was his first name. I know his last name was Bevel. Uh, used to be the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. He goes to Minnesota, and they were talking to Favre, tampering with Favre, which, by the way, they never got punished for, which was hilarious because just like with the whole Bill Parcells not wanting to let uh, uh, Bill Belichick go to the Patriots, he wanted compensation. He tried to tried to lock him into the Jets organization. The NFL responded to Robert Kraft and said, it's it's good for football that this is happening, that for 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 – Parcells and you guys to have this riff trying to fight over Belichick behind the scenes and here y'all are division rivals. I guarantee you they looked at the Favre to Minnesota thing the same way, which is why Minnesota never got hit with tampering charges. Okay, So Favre wanted to go to Minnesota. He got to the point that somebody in that organization pissed him off. Well, who was it? It wasn't his teammates. His teammates loved him, and he loved his teammates. Right? It wasn't the training staff, the custodians, all these people that said Brett knew him on a first-name basis. Right? A lot of people believed it was Ted Thompson, but it wasn't Ted Thompson. I think it was Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy held him accountable, just like every other player in that locker room, and Brett didn't like it. And when it came time to make a decision, he bucked up. They both stuck their chests out. Mike McCarthy didn't back down, and it was the right move for the organization. I say all that because Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre's situation are totally different. Aaron has not done that, and anyone who pretends like he has is lying. Aaron has said all along, I want to retire a Green Bay Packer, right? But he doesn't want to go out a lame duck quarterback. What he's saying is, I want to be on a good roster. Like, if they're just going to go, okay, this is Aaron's last two years. Let's just get through this, and we'll rebuild after him. I, I understand and agree with him. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. But I feel like Aaron has handled it way better than Brett, and it's two different scenarios. But I'm going to go ahead and share the audio here with you guys, and let's go to last day at Lambeau, and let's listen to how everything tra uh, transpired there at the end and kind of talk about, again, the listener message from Roland was he was tired of Andrew Brandt pretending like they were being bold, and I completely agree. And this documentary, this section right here, is going to pretty much explain that to you. So here we go. It was, it was just so bizarre. Somebody, please, for the love of God, we're all adults here. Somebody, please make a decision. Somebody, please, you know, sit down and talk about it. And... You know, finally, Mike McCarthy did. 
After that night, which is very uncomfortable for everybody, especially Aaron Rodgers, the next day, um, Brett Favre and Mike McCarthy met for about six hours in Lambeau Field in Mike's office. The meeting started very poorly between McCarthy and, and Favre. There was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, um, a lot of cursing. McCarthy wanted to gauge whether or not Favre wanted to come back and play and did he want to come back and play for the Packers? That was a key thing. What an odd concept to ask him if he wanted to come back for the Packers. But at the time, the Packers organization had been hearing things that Favre did not want to come back, that he wanted to play for Minnesota, that he wanted out, that he didn't want to play for Ted anymore. Let me see if I get this straight. You're now 100% certain you want to play football. Where is a different story? He decided not to come back. I mean, he, in the end, he had the ability to, to come back. Favre never just came out and said, I'm 100% committed to playing and I 100% want to play for the Packers. There never was, there, those words were never uttered. The meeting just went on and on, so you knew <laughs> that they must have been talking things out. I mean, there were press and cameramen camped out outside Favre's house, you know, waiting for signs of anybody. All the media huddled outside the loading dock waiting for someone to emerge. We have all this coverage of Favre's coming back. Brett Favre reinstated and expected back in training camp tomorrow. He's been offered a $25 million deal for two years, a marketing agreement essentially. You know, not a bribe, but in a way a bribe to stay away and just to be part of the Packers family. And Favre is sitting in McCarthy's office saying, how would it look? How would it look if right now I just took that money and walked away? I don't think McCarthy ever heard the words he wanted to hear, which were, listen, I 100% want to play for the Packers. I 100% want to play this season. I'll do whatever it takes. Late at night, I think it was around 11.30 at night, Favre comes out, gets in his SUV, drives away. McCarthy gets in his SUV, drives away. Little did we know at that time, that was the end. That was the divorce of Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers that night in Mike McCarthy's office. We didn't know it at the time, but a few, uh, a few days later, that became apparent. This is uh, really a bittersweet time uh, for the organization. I think we're all sad uh, to see Brett Favre's uh, career as a Packer end. It's, it wasn't Brett's fault and it wasn't our fault, but the relationship got to a point where it couldn't go forward. And yeah, I don't try to blame either side. The idea that Ted Thompson was unaffected by this or that he just made a cold-hearted decision and let go of one of the greatest players ever in Packers history is a complete fallacy. When the, the trade papers actually came and, and uh, I was going to sign it, which would be my job, I, I almost wanted someone else to sign it. Ted Did that sound bold? Did that sound like Ted Thompson was being bold? Did it sound like Ted Thompson wanted to come across as being bold? No, absolutely not. So um, Ted Thompson was a humble human being. And, and I know I don't think Roland was saying that. I think Roland, obviously, Ted Thompson has been dead for several years now. He's, you know, God rest his soul, amazing man, I believe. Uh, my personal opinion, I think he was the architect, the reason they got a, got another Super Bowl in Green Bay. I don't think Roland's saying that. I think he's saying that about Andrew Brandt, and I, and I agree. But you've seen Ted Thompson wasn't trying to be like, oh, yeah, this is the right move and this and that. He, he said he didn't want to sign the trade papers. Thompson's not the player in this. Mike McCarthy is the player in this. I think Bingo. he's the one who slid under the radar. I think Ted Thompson was much more willing to have far back than McCarthy was. And that's probably the one part of the story that I think is just incredibly unfair to Ted Thompson. I never thought that he was going to really play this year. And I was not going to let 
the hypothetical enter our locker room because it wasn't in the best interest of our football team. He was either going to be here or, or he wasn't going to be here. McCarthy wasn't going to bring Favre back into the locker room and back onto the team when he couldn't get the answer from Favre simple. Do you want to play for me or not? Brett didn't think that he could play here in Green Bay based on everything that has happened. And, and, and we came to agreement to resolve the situation. We were in training camp. We're moving forward as a football team, preparing for the season. And for him to be part of that, he, he needed to jump on the train and, and keep going with us. That tells you everything about McCarthy. He was a leader first. He was not going to cajole Favre into coming back. He was a leader of this football team, and he was not going to beg anybody to play on his football team. Ultimately, it was Brett's decision. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I mean, if, if he wanted to come back, he was welcome. Uh, we welcomed him. So you wanted to play. Let me see if I have this right. You wanted to play somewhere else, even though you had a chance to win another Super Bowl for the Packers. Wow, that makes us feel really special. Hordes of fans gathered around Lambeau Field to witness their hero leave the cathedral one final time. few hugs, a few handshakes. And just like that, he was gone. God, just an amazing documentary. Again, guys, go to Vimeo. That's the only place I've been able to find it. A listener actually ran it down for me. It's called Last Day at Lambeau. You can watch it on there for free. Um, make sure you go give them some love, give them a follow, all that good stuff. It's just an amazing, amazing documentary. But just wanted to point that out, man. Um, so, Roland, thank you so much for the message, man. That kind of sparked that up. And it got me thinking, and I went back and watched that clip and was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I remember it happening. And, you know, so – for, for Brant to run around and act like he, they were bold when they made the decision isn't accurate. I'll tell you who was bold, though. That was Coach Mike McCarthy. You, Mike McCarthy said, I, I was not going to lift the hypothetical in our locker room. You're either going to be here or you're not. They gave him three different times he changed his mind that offseason. And all three times they welcomed him back with open arms. And that third time, here he is, he's come back. And, and keep in mind, the organization is hearing the rumors that he's been talking to Minnesota, right? And Brett said it himself in that one interview, yes, I do want to play. Where is a different story, right? And and he even went as far as saying, so so you're saying uh, you don't want me back, but I can't come back, so I'm not going to be playing at all? No, you know exactly what they're saying. You've been being manipulative, and it sucks because he was my favorite player. But when this happened, it was like, Brett, dude, come on. Like, you know damn well what you're talking about here. You want to play for the Vikings so you can compete against the Packers, and you wouldn't come out and say it publicly. So – in a sense, you were lying. And again, if you're a Favre fan, I'm not here to tear him down to you and try to make you think less of him. You, you, if you like him as a as a as a player, as a person, whatever. That's totally. I'm not judging you, but that's when it really turned things up for me, right? And then of course, Favre comes back. They make amends. Uh, another thing with Ted Thompson, when Brett Favre beat them in Lambeau Field, he said one thing I got to say about Ted Thompson is he text messaged me the very next morning saying, "Congratulations, you played great." That's the kind of man Ted Thompson was. He was an amazing, amazing man. Um, I think he was 
such a huge part of the success of Green Bay here, um, especially with that you know 2010 season and getting another Lombardi back here at home. So again, Roland, thank you so much for the message. Let's move on to the next one. We're going to wrap this big bear up. We got another message, a couple messages actually that are going to go together. Really, this comes from Mike, the super fan. Mike said, hi, Clayton. Mike here, um, a.k.a. Packer Superfan. Love this text format. When do you think 12 will make his decision, and what format will he use to announce? Just just your gut, but be specific. Go, Pack, go. So here's how I feel about that, Mike. Nothing's changed for me. The the lazy, easy answer is I don't know, dude. I really don't know. Um, I would love to be able to sit here and tell you I think it'll happen this Tuesday. I would love to sit here and say I think it'll be March the 10th. Whatever. What I will say is this. I I am 99% confident it will be as early as Tuesday, but no later than March 14th. And that may not be the answer you're looking for, Mike, but that's the best I can do because I feel like that's probably when it's going to happen. And and it may happen right in between. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened the following Tuesday. I wouldn't be surprised if on March 14th, the day before free agency, he makes the announcement that he's coming back, retiring, or they've worked on a trade. You know, Um, nothing would surprise me at this point. But that's kind of where we're narrowed down to. It may be Tuesday. I'm going to be tuned into the McAfee show to see if he makes a decision if he's on there. Um, if he skips this week or if Pat doesn't do a show this Tuesday and they do one next Tuesday, I'll be tuning in for that one too. And the second that he does retire or announce he's coming back or announce that he's requested a trade, we'll be right here doing a pod for you, kind of breaking it down in real time for sure. So uh, appreciate you uh, message uh, messaging there on the uh, text thread. Again, guys, that number is 865-658-5824. And now we've got one from Jimmy that's somewhat similar, and we're going to wrap up the show here. This came in from Jimmy just a short time ago. I'm glad we got it fitted in here. He said, here's my question for you. If Rodgers does does want to move on, or if the Packers have decided to move on to love, how do you feel about the parallels to the Favre-Rodgers transition? Do you think we can move on to a third Hall of Fame quarterback? Where would you put the chances? I personally feel nearly exactly about love the way I felt about Rodgers. If the team digs it, I can get behind it. I'll hang up and list some winky face. So appreciate you uh, messaging us there, man. Um, Really, really appreciate you taking the time, Jimmy. Um, To answer your questions, first of all, I don't see any parallels between Favre and Rodgers on how they would potentially leave. If anything, it's a polar opposite. Um, And and another parallel you're talking about, if I understood correctly, is uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Do you think we can step right into a third Hall of Famer? But I want to touch on this real quick. Um, Aaron has made it very, very, very well known that he wants to retire a Packer, right? That's what he said. From start to finish, that's what he wants to do, okay? Um, There's not many parallels in the form of why they would part ways. There's huge similarities in the age, right? The age of Jordan Love and the age of Aaron Rodgers at the same point in their career. Um, You know, the fact they were both first-round picks, obviously, and it going into year four, it was going into year four for Aaron. There's a lot of similarities there. But Favre wanted to be a Viking, right? And Aaron Rodgers wants to retire a Packer. That's just as hard as it is for me to admit that about Brett Favre. That's the truth of the matter. And who am I to judge why he wanted to go to Minnesota, right? It's not my place. Um, only only he knows all the reasons why. The front office knows. And I'm just a stupid redneck Packer football fan that loves talking about it. So that's kind of how I see it. Now, as far as the parallels to Love and Rodgers, the fact that you said – you you feel somewhat confident. That, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But it sounds like you're somewhat confident that that love can be what Rodgers was. 
Um, and I, I'm not going to go to the extreme and, and assume that you think he's going to be a great Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm assuming you're you're thinking he's going to be a, a a solid quarterback. You know, maybe yeah, I guess great is proper way of putting it, right? Um, I hope you're right. I said it all year last year. All the people that were calling for Love to start over Rodgers, I'm like, man, if Rodgers or if Love is as good as you guys are making him out to be, freaking sign me up, dude. That sounds amazing. Like I, I want in on that. That train ride is going to be freaking awesome to another championship, right? To one of the greatest throwers of the football in the history of the game. Now, when I mentioned that, some of those people that were hating on Rodgers backed off a bit. <laughs> they got a little bit, well, no, I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Rodgers' talent. I'm just ready to turn the page. I'm ready to uh, move to the next chapter of the book and all these different, you know, analogies, these, these catchphrases that they were throwing around. Um, but you said my honest opinion, what I think love is. Based on the little bit that we've seen on the field and based on the fact that he's been able to lead the team in offseason activities the last two seasons. That's the other thing, too. People get mad that Rodgers isn't there for the OTAs and, you know, for the stuff that's, you know, involuntary. It, it To me, I'm kind of excited because I'm like, man, Jordan loves getting all that time with the number ones or whoever's in camp. You know, a lot of people, they, they also fail to mention that a lot of starters refuse to go to those things now because the CBA, the union is like pressing them to say, hey, let's let's try to stay away from anything that's not voluntary. That's anything that's voluntary. Let's stay away from that. You know, so they make it out as if it's only Aaron Rodgers is the only NFL player that's skipping these activities. When in all honesty, there's a lot of players across the league held that one year. Uh, pretty much the entire wide receiver room skipped it with Rodgers, right? <laughs> I mean, so it's not just Rodgers, but Jordan Love got a lot of a lot of time there. So with that being said, the little bit of play time we've seen, the fact that he's had two off seasons working with the number ones, I found out when I was in Green Bay, I don't want to say the specific place where he lives because um, I don't want to put any of that information out there, but I found out firsthand where Jordan Love lives, and I got really excited. Uh, excited because it's like, man, this dude is so close to the stadium and he is so about football. He he is just – it sounds like he loves the game and he's all about preparation and he's all about being that that pro, right, that, that guy who's going to lead this franchise the next decade. And that gives me a lot of hope too. So when I take in all of the things that I know for a fact, not the things that I hope he is or think he may be, but the things I know as a fact, the two off-seasons – right? The limited play time that he looked pretty darn good. The fact that it sounds like he's a grinder and he's always around Lambeau Field. And he's always in the building studying and always wanting to get better. And then hearing his uh, his personal quarterback coach um, that, that works with him all year long, do an interview and talk about the things he's working on. Um, I've got a lot of faith in him, man. I'm not going to lie. That's why I've been on the, the, uh, the trumpet screaming, hey, listen, man, if uh, – if this guy, if he is the guy in the organization, I think they know whether they think he is the guy or not. If he is, let's sign him to an extension. Throw throw that freaking – throw that fifth-year option down the holler, right? <laughs> Get it out of here, man. Put it, Bury it in a cow patty out in the pasture. Get it out of our way. Let's go ahead and sign him to a four-year extension so we have that maneuverability of the contract with cash over cap and being really, really flexible. And and honestly, it will offset to what Rodgers' salary cap hit would have been um, in 2024 if indeed Rodgers retires and we move forward with an extension for love. Now, the last episode I just did, right, was about what? Quarterbacks in the draft. If one of these quarterbacks have a higher draft grade 
than Jordan Love did, and they fall in the Packers' lap or get within striking range of trading up, that's not out of the realm of possibility either. And I'll tell you this, if if they don't know that Jordan Love's the guy, and let's say Rodgers does retire, right, and they don't pick up that fifth-year option, guess what Jordan Love's doing? Jordan Love's playing for his career. If he goes out and has a great year, then he's going to be able to hit free agency. Either the Packers can franchise tag him or they can sign him to an extension or he can hit free agency. He knows he's going to be playing for a huge paycheck. You're going to get the absolute best of Jordan Love in a contract year. There's no doubt about that. So if you were to draft one of these young quarterbacks, you got Jordan Love come out and he and he's ready to play his A game and he lights the league on fire. Now you've got to make a decision. Do we sign him to an extension or do we move forward with the young quarterback? If you sign him to the extension, you can do that. And you know why? Because that young quarterback's going to be on that rookie contract. I just told you what we're predicting the number 15 pick to be, right? The fifth number 15 pick last year in 2022's draft, the cap hit was 2.9 million. Let's say it's extreme and it goes all the way up to 4 million. You've got a backup quarterback at four million. There's some teams that have ten million tied up in the backup quarterback, guys. So that's exciting too. Um, if far if if far if Rogers retires, there's a chance that we draft a quarterback in the first round. It just depends on how high are the Packers on these four quarterbacks and the ones that they are high on, whether it's one of them, two of them, three of them, or all four. What is it going to be worth for them to climb up and ensure they get one? Or they may think all four are busts, and they they they're not even within striking range of a first grade, uh, first round talent, right? First round grade, and they may not even touch them in the first round. They might even want to touch them in the second round. It all depends on what's the draft grade that Goody and his scouts have on these quarterbacks, right? But uh, hopefully that answered your question there, Jimmy. And uh, if I understood correctly, Jimmy calls in on Packernet After Dark under the name of Eron Two. So uh, appreciate you taking the time to reach out again, guys. I want to emphasize. Do not let that text thread take away from you guys calling in a Packernet after dark because you're the lifeblood of that podcast. And Ryan, you couldn't find a better freaking host to do Packernet after dark than Ryan Schlipp. It's my favorite podcast. And don't ruin this for me. All right. Listen to me. Don't ruin this for me. I need that content, whether it's the offseason going into the draft or as we get into training camp later in the year and in the regular season, man, that was a lot of fun listening to Packernet after dark. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. Really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us here on this Sunday afternoon. Pod's going out a little late, but I was trying to put the show together because these guys messaged in a little late and we wanted to make sure that we included that content into the show. We're not going to be able to do every episode like that, but I want to include your all's uh, feedback, comments, questions into the show as much as possible because it, it definitely makes me better. So appreciate you guys. If you're listening to this on Monday, hopefully y'all have a great, great Monday work day and uh, hopefully uh, hanging out with us, making us a part of your day. We really, really appreciate that, but hopefully it makes your day go by a little bit quicker too. So as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.